Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. So, wow. Um, There's so much going on. It's very, very exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let me, I I know some of you have been coming with questions. I love it. We're going to get into that. But let me just kind of ask some questions myself first. Um, How many have been baptized in the tent? It's awesome. Praise God. Um, How many have found a deeper walk with Christ since your baptism? Anybody? Yeah, is that no? Or yeah, yeah, okay, praise God. Um, I just want to encourage you. The uh, the things that are going on Friday night was really. I mean, everyone's really awesome. I think this was the ninth one, right? Maybe eighth or ninth. But uh, there were there were many uh, pretty deep deliverances that happened Friday night, and I'm just really excited with God. And then to hear the the feedback during the week about what God's been doing is just uh, it's just really encouraged me. Praise God. Okay, um, we had some really good questions that I thought we'd, let me, let me do some housekeeping stuff first. There's uh, two handouts. The one from last week, if you didn't get last week's handout, it's here. That's kind of, it's got the four pages of some, we talked through some of it last week. And then uh, Jennifer was handing out the other one called Breaking Free Steps to Freedom, which is the second one for tonight. Uh, we're gonna look at those, but we're gonna be spending most of our time you're gonna, if you don't have the wirebound ministry manual, you gotta have it, I mean, and they're out there. Um, my bookkeeper, we, we just charged cost to it, so if you buy this manual, it's $15, that's church cost. Uh, make sure when you put it in the box, just mark manual. If you're buying breaking free, just put book, so she's able to keep those straight. But we're gonna be in uh, the deliverance module 12 this week. We spent five weeks going through the ministry training manual, and uh, that's the first part of the module. So if you were not part of that, um, you'll wanna look at that. And obviously, you need to spend time. You're not, I think Pat was telling me last week, you're feeding people with a fire hose. I said, okay. Um, but so that's why you gotta read. You know, read up and then get these questions going in your mind about, well, what about this? So I'm gonna actually have some folks ask those questions tonight. They were really good. So let me, um, let me start. Oh, and Pastor Terry's got the, uh, it's coming around. He has scrubbed and re-scrubbed and scrubbed. If you've been to the five training weeks as part of ministry training, um, and now you're starting the deliverance training five weeks, Make sure your name is on that list. The, the uh, emails are correct, the phone numbers are correct. We're actually, we had three prayer ministries going yesterday. Um, so we're training up teams because we have people coming in from other states and there's got, we're gonna have over probably 2,000 here during camp meeting and uh, just knowing how that goes, we're gonna need people that are feeling comfortable doing prayer ministry inner healing <clears throat> as part of that. And when they start coming by the thousands, from all over, once we, once our movie director captures limbs growing out, eyes being installed in sockets, they'll come from every place in the world. And so that's the, rea- that's the reality of what happens in revival. So, so it's a time to get equipped, be ready, and it's just a very exciting time to, I, I'll tell you a quick story. I was, ha- I was doing ministry with uh, 
Diana, I don't think she'd mind. We had a woman who had uh, grown up in uh, blood sacrifice. I was actually sharing this with uh, Carissa earlier and uh, reminded me, it said, now Diana from Columbia, born again, believer, saw, has seen a lot of stuff, but she'd never seen the manifestation of a demonic presence and so we're ministering to this woman who'd been blood sacrificed as a child. Lots, of, she's a believer, she confessed Christ. Remember the go, no go? If you, what did John, first, first John tells us, if you can declare that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that you believe he's the son of God raised from the dead, no one can say that unless they're born again. So that's a test, in virtue, you'll see it in our model. Who is Jesus to you? I have them tell us that. When they block and they can't declare, it's time to lead them to the first training sessions we went to, lead them to Christ, right? Because this ministry is only the children's bread. We never do ministry on someone who's not a believer in Christ, because you remember the warning in, first, in Matthew chapter 12. So, so the question was um, that Carissa brought, matter of fact, you, you wanna ask it? The one that said, can a believer, um, well, I'll do it, praise God. I remember, we, we, she asked a lot of questions, but it was the one that said, can a believer, when we talk about oppression or possession, and we'll get that if you'll actually, why don't we, why don't we do this? Let's, uh, say again? 12-1. 12-1, all right, Bruce, you're on it, man. Uh, so the first page of the module talks about this in the term oppression versus possession. So let me ask this, do you believe a Christian can be possessed by a demon? No, and so in fact, this there, I had someone get really mad at me that uh, they, they didn't, I told them that the King James Version is not perfect, none of the versions are perfect, got real mad at me. And uh, so then I brought in about an inch and a half of the uh, translational errors that they have found in the King James. And it's true in any one of the, because they're not from the original language and they've been translated but they're, they're still the word of God. Okay, so the word there in the King James should, is not really translated correctly. You see that in C, the term oppression is used in the manual rather than possession. Possession implies ownership and complete, complete control which is really a really interesting statement there. The, uh, the word that is used here, diamionize, I think I've said that correctly, um, is uh, translated possessed by devils and should really be translated oppressed. So let me ask this, as a believer, have you, or maybe somebody you know, ever dealt with torment as a result of some darkness even though you've been a believer? Tormenting thoughts, heavy temptation. So wait, you're believers, right? So how is that, how, how can that be possible? So the question, Carissa, when you talk about the host, that out of Matthew 12, when, when a demon is cast out and says that the kingdom of darkness has left and the kingdom has come among you, and darkness never wins the fight against light, right? Light always wins. So Jesus uses that example in Matthew 12. Some of you are looking at me, let's come turn to Matthew 12. Okay. Uh, what the heck did I do? I left my Bible somewhere. Ah, it's on the revival train. (laughs) 
So are you there? Matthew 12? This is a pretty fundamental scripture that, um, let's go there. So you know that Jesus is accused of being the prince of demons. He casts out a devil, Matthew 12, 22. A demon-possessed man who was both blind and could not speak was brought to Jesus and he healed the man so he could both speak and see. So there was a demonic presence that hindered his ability to see and to both speak. So he was mute and he was also blind. That's an indication based on scripture that the sign of Messiah. So some of the people said, is he the son of David? He's doing the signs, right? Remember when John the Baptist is in prison, he sends two of his disciples to say, are you the one that we've been waiting for? Jesus doesn't give him a theological discussion. He says, go back and tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. That's a sign of the Messiah, right? So they say, some are saying he must be the Messiah. Well, the religious guys don't like that. So the religious spirit never likes kind of the moves of the spirit. And so it says, well, no, he's the prince of demons. That's how he does these things. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, so now we're back to our first module of training, words of knowledge. Jesus knows their thoughts. He says, let me ask you a question. Civil war, how can a, how can a, a civil war take place if I'm casting out demons and then how can Satan's own kingdom stand? And by the way, what about your own exorcist? your Jewish exorcist. Remember out of Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva? They're doing a deliverance. Shake your head if you remember that story, okay? They're doing a deliverance, right? And the demon is a very pretty high level demon, so the seven sons of Sceva are there, and he says, Paul we know, and Jesus we know, who are you? So they're using the name of Jesus without authorization because they're not born again believers. So they're, they're not authorized to do what they're doing. And this high level demon jumps on them and it says he tore all their clothes off. Can you imagine coming back, seven sons naked and beat up? So how did, how did deliverance go? Not, not too good, <laughs> right? There's something about this. So the, the knowing and the, the presence. So what he's saying here is, Look, I do this by a different level, a higher, stronger authority, and then he uses the example of the strong man. How can someone go into a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he's stronger? So here we get into this battle of the kingdoms, right? And so then he talks about, be careful that you don't blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. You may call things that you don't understand that you claim they're demonic, when they're not, and it's actually the Holy Spirit, you're, you're, you're teetering on blasphemous ground that can never be forgiven. That's a really strong scripture. So be careful. Well, I don't understand. That can't be God. So you make that judgment. Who are you? You're not God. So just test the spirits, yes. Not everything is of God. We're to do that. But be careful when you don't understand something. Maybe I just need to ask the Lord, what is that? Right? Okay, then he goes on and says, you'll know them by their fruit. Look at verse 33. He says, you'll, you can figure this out. Just look at the tree's fruit. When someone says I'm a believer and I'm walking with Christ and they're living like hell, something is not fruitful here, right? So be careful. There's a lot of folks professing, but they don't, it does not line up 
with scripture. And so you'll know them by their fruit. And you'll, then he goes on and talks about, they wanna see a sign. He talks about being in the whale's belly, really three days in the earth. But then in verse 43, it says this, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest and finding none. King James says, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through the dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from, so it returns, we call that a familiar spirit, so it returns and finds the former house swept in order. Then the spirit finds seven others, spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter that person and they live there. Now, Jesus is describing here a really um, sobering picture of what we need to be careful with. We should not jump into doing deliverance on someone if they are not willing to lay down their stuff. So the question that Carissa was asking is, when you talk about a possession or possession and host, can a Christian be possessed? No, but can a Christian be oppressed, tormented? Man, yes. And, or we know out of the Galatians chapter five, right, we talks about let the Holy Spirit lead your life. So if you let the Holy Spirit, there's, there's the free will part, you let the Holy Spirit lead your life, you'll produce this kind of fruit, love and joy and peace and goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, mercy, self-control. But if you let the flesh rule, then you will produce all kinds of evil and it, listen, drunkenness, immorality, perversions, adulteries, witchcraft, and then all other kinds of sin. So if you let the Holy Spirit lead your life, fruit will come. If you let darkness lead your life, even if you're a believer, that's why it says these two natures are always fighting each other, right? Galatians 5 says, Paul says there's two, you're never free from these choices. That's why you gotta take up your cross daily and follow him, right? Turn to Galatians chapter five for a minute. Let's go there. In Galatians five, he ends that discussion of nail your passions daily to the cross. Why? You gotta take up your, you gotta die to yourself every day. Because if not, this old man can come back. Out of Romans chapter six, right? That word kartageo in the Greek is, you can employ that guy again. Even though you put him out of business one time, you, you set him, you're, you're fired. <laughs> you go into the tank in the tent and you say, I wanna die to the old man and I wanna come out free. And then tomorrow you open up a door again and then you wonder why, what am I doing? This is not a game. This is a place where we choose to let the Holy Spirit lead us and we gotta die to ourselves. That's not an easy battle, I get it. But look at verse 24, uh, Galatians 5. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So when we talk about host, the, the, the challenge there is, I think the question is, okay, if we know that a Christian can't be possessed, but they can be oppressed, this place where Jesus is talking about in Matthew 12, once the house is swept clean and it's put back in order. When you go to prayer ministry and you've gone through your list of confession, forgiveness, you choose to forgive those who've wounded you, you spend that time, you've, you've made your profession of faith, 
The house gets swept clean. The, the two witnesses come through, pray, casting out every dark thing that they can see and have heard, renouncing the lies in a person's life that they've believed, got rid of their familiar spirits. Now, you're not free from that because that familiar spirit is still, it's become familiar. The pattern of life that you've been in, the sin pattern that you've been in is familiar to you. And the first time you get kind of worn down, you might choose then to go back in into an idolatrous form to find medicated pain in something that is familiar, but it's not the idolatry that God wants you to be in. He wants you to be in the Prince of Peace. That's why you gotta find an alternative and let the Holy Spirit lead your life. But if you reopen this door, it is an ugly, ugly place to go. And so we're careful. In fact, recently, one of our teams was doing a prayer ministry, and this person had doors that were open, and we've seen this in the past. They were not, uh, this is years ago now, so don't try to figure it out. I had a person come in. They, uh, they knew that they needed to have prayer ministry. They came, both the husband-to-be and the fiance came, and they were living together, having sexual relationships, and they said, well, we're gonna get married, but we wanna have prayer ministry now. I said, time out. <clears throat> so you wanna fornicate in violation of scripture, and it's okay because you're gonna get married. Show me where that's in the book. Uh, we need to stop the prayer ministry because we're not going here unless you are willing to, one, move out and find a place by yourself, and then, actually, I was supposed to marry them, and so what we ended up doing is we worked through this and actually we married him the next week. It wasn't a shotgun wedding, but we married him the next week, really quick, small, and then we had a gigantic wedding later when the family came, but they said, we, we don't wanna move out, we wanna be married, we love each other, let's do it now, but we didn't realize we couldn't do that. Wow, you didn't realize. So the point I'm trying to make here is, this is not a game, and when people come to you and they may manifest, they may come and say, I've got this tormenting thing going on, I'm, I'm tempted, I, I, I lie or I steal or I'm involved in drugs or I'm doing porn. Are you willing to close those doors and shut that off? Because if you reopen the door, your house is gonna come out of order again and those friends that you used to have, they're gonna come back with even worse friends. And we've had a couple of experiences, I can think of two, where a person, it was an amazing story of a person getting set free, had had a child out of wedlock, gets married, life is good, they get, they're saved, they're baptized, they're walking, business is going well, and then a year and a half later-ish, goes back into hanging out with friends who did drugs with them, and that door cracks open, and that seven worse came on like you would not believe. And the way that ended is the person died in a motorcycle accident and the father told me when we were praying over the body, asking the Lord to resurrect, the Lord told the father to stop praying. I took him now because he was not gonna be able to make it but he is now in a place where he's all right. So God in his mercy and grace. But we tell people all that, look, don't, this is not some box you check. This is serious life or death battles in the kingdom. And so as ministers of the gospel and deliverance ministers, don't be too casual about this. When someone is coming to you and they're either manifesting a tent or they come off, you wanna make sure, one, is your will engaged? 
do you want to be free of this? And are, not, you're not gonna be sinless, we get that, right? James, uh, First John tells us that, if anyone says he's not a sinner, you're a liar. <laughs> you know? So we know that, but at the same time, are you willing to fight this battle, the good fight, and let the Holy Spirit baptize you with power, so that that's why we, we iterate over and over again. You've gotta be saved, you've gotta be water baptized, and you need to be spirit baptized because that's where power comes from. Go read Acts chapter one, four, and eight, Acts chapter two, Acts chapter eight, Acts chapter 19, right? The baptism in the Holy Spirit, which we've covered many times in this house. So the, my point of this is, when we're, de- people having come to us now, I had, a, I had someone else recently this week said, my child is doing this X, Y, and Z, and I wanna cast stuff out of her but she's not willing at this point to close those doors or walk it out. I would not cast anything out because you have authority in Jesus' name. No, they asked the, 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 the parent was asking, Can I, I'm gonna cast this out of my child. And I said, wait, um, you wanna have a good discussion with them about truth and if they're willing, usually what will happen is there'll be this battle of the kingdom of light being telling truth and the kingdom of darkness saying no. They like their sin better than what you're hearing. But wait long enough and they may get to a place where it gets to a dark hole and they're saying, I'm ready now, right? And if you jump in advance, because as parents, man, I've been here, as parents, we want them out of this mess. We know where this goes. We don't want agony, please. Like, you know, it's like, he says, that hurry up, God, get this done, right? But if you get ahead of the Lord and they're not ready, and that will may try to please you or try to stop some of the pain they're in, but if they're not there and they reopen that door again, it can get a whole lot worse in a hurry. So you gotta be patient and ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and discernment. Is that making sense? Yeah. And so it's a really good question about possession, oppression. So, um, okay, let's, let's go to... Page 12, question? Oh. Yeah. So when you see a physical manifestation of a demonic spirit in a Christian, that's still just oppression? Yes. Um, and we've seen it many times. So I was starting to tell you about Diana. Now Diana, um, so she was doing prayer ministry with me, I think it was about a year ago, and we had this woman who'd come in she confessed Christ, we believed that she was, and she'd been in blood sacrifice, satanic ritual abuse from childhood, and really tormented, but had come and said, we understand, I'm being oppressed at night, I have demonic spirits that oppress me, sit in my, there's some sexual stuff going on, and I need help, and so, Pat generally vets them, she comes, we confirm she's a believer, we confirm her will is engaged, she wants to be free, and so when we start down the path, and she goes, the, the, the way you tie up a strong man, I think I covered this a little bit last week, is through confession. Remember he said in, if you confess your sins one to another, James 5, you'll be saved, healed, and delivered. So something happens when I confess. What, what is confession? I'm coming into agreement with the word that this is wrong, and I want it to change. That's a confession of the heart, right? And so, and then the two witnesses that are there, amen, we agree with you, let it be so. Then forgiveness, well, I, 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 Pastor, I don't wanna forgive, I can't wait, you have to forgive. 
In Matthew chapter six, Jesus says, forgive or you won't be forgiven. The Father won't forgive you. If you refuse to forgive, and that's a showstopper in deliverance. You get to a place where we've, I usually finish one of my sessions with, is there anything you haven't told us you need to tell us? Is there anyone you haven't? And if they go, yeah, but, no buts, okay? You either forgive or you're not forgiven, and that's a door. Unforgiveness is a huge hindrance to freedom. And Jesus modeled it, right? Remember that? Hanging on the cross, forgive them. So, so the point here is, when we get to that place, if a Christian is manifesting, you want to continue in the process. So Deanna, I'm doing the ministry. She's forgiving, she's confessing, forgiving the warlock who had blood sacrificed her, her parents who'd opened the door, all the generational witchcraft out of, we see out of Exodus 20 and Exodus 34 that's visited the family to the third and fourth generation. And so, and then all of a sudden, the demon starts speaking. And Deanna had, was like, whoa. And then Deanna goes into Spanish, tongues. <laughs> I mean, the sword comes out. It's like, you know, and man, it was like, wow. Go on, Deanna, get it, right? I don't know all that Spanish, but it sounds really powerful. Get it, right? And she was like shocked. The next day, you gotta love it, right? The next day, the lady got set free. It was wonderful. Holy Spirit came in. The demon left. <laughs> she was peaceful. It was like, we celebrate that. The next day, Deanna comes in and she goes, Pastor, God is real. I said, you think? <laughs> it's like, I'm telling you, that's been my experience. I love to take uh, young people on the mission fields with us or be in deliverance ministry because when they see it, the, we have no issues in the third world with, with a demonization of people. They see it all, it's there. When you got the witch, you know, San La Muerte, Santeria, uh, Macumba, had the flag hanging there in the, in, in the village, right? It's like there. You wanna get healed, bring your chicken or your dime, they'll put you know, rooster blood on you and you'll get, you'll get set free, <laughs> really. <laughs> and so, they have no issues. But in this Western world, with all of our Greek theology and all, it's like, eh, that can't be real. But guess what? Because of what's open now, you go look, drive by some of these strip malls and look at all the new age stuff that's here, right? Yoga, Reiki, that stuff that's here are all demonic. The Masonic is all demonic. And so it's become part of our culture, the doors open, and now we're seeing more and more here, which we used to see 15 years ago overseas. Okay, so, yeah, that'd be good. In module 11, page one, it's talking about curses. And we spend a lot of time talking about people that are cursed you know, in, in the South American countries, but in working with people the last couple of weeks on Friday night, I'm wondering if some of these people who are repeatedly getting baptized and repeatedly getting deliverance, if they might be operating under a curse and not know it. And the workbook says that, um, that it can be unintentional um, and they not even know it. They could have cursed themselves and not even know it. It could be gener um, generational and not even know it. But on page 11.4, it says unbroken curses can have other effects such as impeding or preventing a healing or a deliverance. And they can cause a general malaise resulting in poor health, lack of success in one's occupation, financial problems, family difficulties, etc. So I'm concerned about curses and maybe 
causing all these multiple issues with, with, with our people and us not really grasping how serious an unrenounced, unbroken curse is. Whether it's something like I said, I'm so stupid, or my father said, you're so stupid, or somebody down the road said, you know, they're going to curse me. All of that in the curse, the curse category before we leave module 11. Good. We'll, we'll get into this when we dive deeper, but I wanna, I'll go there right now uh, because it is something that's going on right at the moment. The reason I like to do individual prayer ministries, which average six hours, the longest I've ever done is 13 hours. But once you start, and the reason is at least two present, is we always have a gender-specific person. If you're doing a female, there's a female present. If you're doing a male, there's a male present, or two males, or two females if you're doing. But the, the person of that, because you don't know where this is gonna go, and you need a witness to be present there, and it, it's biblical, right? Out of um, Luke's Gospel chapter uh, 10, he sends them out two by two. Right? If a thousand could put, one could put a thousand to flight, two could put ten thousand. So there's something about the power of the witness and ganging up on the devil. Okay. So here we are on a Friday night or an individual thing. Actually, when you're standing in a, in a ministry somewhere in the world and you got 50 people in front of you, they come up and there's the manifestation. So you remember last week, I think I talked about it, where Pat, we're in Manchester, England, and the woman comes to Pat, and Pat, she's come for prayer. She just had a double mastectomy, and she's had cancer. She comes for general prayer. When Pat lays hands on her, Pat goes, that's not the Holy Ghost, <laughs> you think? And so what did we do? We didn't jump into prayer ministry at that point because we said, look, can you come tomorrow? We'll set up a team, and we said we took, I think, three or four hours with her, and it's in my book. So uh, if you'll see that one there when... It's an interesting one because it's the first time my mother ever heard a demon speak. And she was like, whoa. And so what's the point? There was a curse actually on, in that example of the book, there were several curses. One, um, she had, her mother told her to go ahead and go on a date because her husband had taken a prostitute. So they're in Turkish, uh, in a Turkey, on a, uh, the mother and daughter are on a vacation. They're kind of mad at the husband and the son-in-law. And uh, the mother says, I'll buy you jewelry if you go ahead and go on a date with this. Let's pay back your husband for what he did. She takes that great wise counsel, goes out with the guy, has a relationship with him. He, she buys her daughter this gold jewelry uh, bracelet and this thing manifested as a curse. She's got warts on her hand. This is an oh, by the way, that she's telling us, we're, we're interviewing her in the process of trying to uncover what curses are in your life, what doors are open, why did you just manifest? And it took four or five hours to unpack that. One of the things was, you know, strange, I've got these warts, I've been to doctors, they've tried burning them off, nothing, they don't go away, and yet yesterday, Jamie Galloway gave a word, someone's wearing cursed jewelry here, if you've got it on you, you need to get rid of it. She ran to the ladies' room, threw the jewelry in the trash can. The next day she comes into her ministry and the warts are gone. So she was already set up with Jesus is powerful and then she starts to unpack. So we're after what's the curse. So we're, if you walk through my book, you'll see it. We're walking through this, what are your confessions? What do you need to forgive? Let's forgive your husband. Let's forgive your mother. Let's, you know, we're walking down that. Forgive the, she was actually had been sexually molested by a babysitter. Let's forgive that. We get to this point, and I'm, we, we've now forgiven and confessed everything we know to do, and I start to pray in the name of Jesus, and the demon speaks and says, 
she likes me and I'm not leaving. That's a recognition there's still something here that's authorized because we have the name of Jesus and the person's will has not let it all up yet. So I said, okay, we need to ask the Holy Ghost because James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask him. Lord, what is this all about? Right? And all of a sudden, Charles George goes, ah! ask her about the abortion. And she gets ashen white. She says, I've never told anybody about that. The Lord revealed it through a word of knowledge. He wants her free. She's engaged, but she was embarrassed through pride or whatever. But that was a curse, an unconvexed murdering curse that was on her that was authorized to kill, steal, and destroy in her own life. And so she then confesses that. And then we, in the name of Jesus, says, she still likes me. And I'm like, in the name of Jesus. And then um, she lives in the mountains now. Karen Bauman. Karen Bauman's on that mission, on that one. And Karen goes, I won't elaborate, but there was some sexual stuff in there. Karen calls it out. She confesses that. And he said, Now, get out. I'm leaving. And leaves. So there was an authorized, unconfessed curses and brokenness. And so the reason I like to take time with an individual to unpack it is that you don't have the same opportunity when you're in a tent or in a mission place. So you do the best you can, because God, like I said, God can, Jesus didn't spend six hours with people, right? Now, but I'm not Jesus, so, and so there's something also about the process. I've had people that are blown away. This is, you spent nine, 10 hours with me, and you don't charge for it? No, God told us freely give, you freely receive, freely give. And so the love of God, they recognize wait a minute, you got your staff and you spending this many hours with it, we're not even in your church, we don't even pay tithes, no, this is about kingdom, right? And they come and they get set free and the love of God sets them free. So getting to the, how do you get to a person's curse? So in this example, um, let me use one, Brenda Matthews, okay? Brenda Matthews, an amazing woman. Her daughter <coughs> is on staff at uh, Lifeline uh, Radio. Hannah, <coughs> several years ago, uh, Brenda's in heaven now, but she, they were coming here, her and Alan, and they were all coming here, and uh, I get this call, and she's had a massive heart attack. She's in ICU, they, they're gonna do open heart surgery, so they do the open heart surgery. She comes through the surgery, we're there, um, B and several other intercessors are there. We're all praying. And uh, I go in, I pray with the family. I go home, and I get this frantic call. If I can't remember, it was Alan or Hannah. says, they, they, they've just sent mom back in the second time for open heart surgery in like two days. It's just like, yipes, they're gonna reopen her again. Yeah, they're losing her. They can't understand what's happening. They, they don't know if there's internal bleeding. They, what, they gotta reopen her up again. <clears throat> and it's really high risk, and you come back. So Alan and Hannah are right outside the ICU room. Uh, the doctors are inside. They did the surgery, the second surgery. She's in there. She's got tubes. She's, being int- she's intubated. I mean, she's got wires every which direction. And they tell the family, we're losing her, and um, you want to say your goodbyes. I, Allah, I come in, I just got home, I get back, changed again, I get back, I say, what's going on? And Hannah blurts out, Mom always said that if she had open heart surgery, she'd die on the table. I said, 
what did you just say? Yeah, and she repeats this. Oh, okay. We know now. Come on. So the, the, the nurses, the, the, uh, the respiratory tech, there's like three doctors in there. They're doing all their stuff. And things are going. Hannah's, I can't remember. I was on her one ear. I can't remember. Alan is on her other ear. And Hannah's on her toe. Oh, we got her. And they're letting us be in there because they realize she's going to die. And they're letting us be there. And I said, I renounce that curse in the name of Jesus. You will not die. You will live. All of a sudden, things start to, re- start to recover. She fully recovers. The respiratory tech says, I've been doing this for 25 years, and I've never seen anyone come back from that. And she lived how many years? Six or seven years, something like that, right? And so what's the point? Be very careful about what you say and what's spoken. So one of the things I always ask people in their ministry is, what, has people, what have people said over you and what have you said over you? Because those are curses. I'll never amount to anything. You're a loser. Um, you're, you're the black sheep of the family. You never do anything right. right? These are, now, sometimes we got parents that have a good motive and a really lousy method. Right? I remember, um, th- this is wild. Um, <clears throat> there was a man who started coming to our church. He walked in the church. He's in heaven now. Um, he, it turns out we're doing a men's retreat at Caswell, and they do this random thing, and anyway, he's my roommate at Caswell, and he's kind of, he's, a, he's really like intimidated. He's, ha- he's got to sleep with the pastor in, in the room there, right? I said, hey man, I'm just real. You know, so, so we're like in our bunks, and we're talking, and, and he's telling me about his life. I said, you know what? You really ought to, um, he's recently saved. Uh, he goes, man, man, I'm smoking weed, and you know, I got a girlfriend, and I'm not doing things right. I said, okay, so you need to turn around from some of that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, so he does all that, <clears throat> starts coming to the church, he's being discipled. He says, I wanna go on a mission trip to Brazil with you. I said, that's awesome, you gotta go to prayer ministry. What's that? I said, and we walked through that. So I do his prayer ministry. In his prayer ministry, he remembers he's 11 years old, and his father takes, he lives in California, his father takes him up overlooking this, these million plus homes. And he says, son, what do you see out there? He says, dad, those are amazing houses. They didn't, they didn't have much. He goes, dad, I wanna have one of those one day. He goes, you'll never have anything like that because you never work hard enough. Now he's in his 40s and he's on his prayer ministry and he's telling me about a verbal curse his father had for him. Now he had a successful painting business. He, had, he, he was doing really well, but he had this inadequacy, low self-esteem. You'll never amount to anything. He had this poverty spirit. And so I said, well, let's renounce that lie because obviously you're doing pretty well. So he renounces that lie. He goes on the mission trip with us and he's really kind of like, can I just like hold your jacket when we get there? And I said, oh yeah, you can do that. I know right away. <laughs> yeah, right. So we're in a church, we're in, we're in Belém, um, we're in Manaus, 10,000 person church. It's the place where the deaf mutes all started speaking. We saw so many miracles there. Anyway, he, oh, oh, we're there and all of a sudden it's ministry time. They surround him. I got, they got all these seven, eight, nine, 10 year old kids. My senor, mice, 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 more senor, more. And he's like, he looks at me like, <sighs> he starts praying. I, I can't recall if it was a blind eye or a deaf ear. We had so many miracles. But 
He lays hands on this child and this child, he is absolutely radically on fire for God. Comes back and it's like, and this is the case, you gotta be careful, right? Luke chapter three says, watch out, the devil will take his opportunity. Remember when Jesus beats him in the desert? Says the devil leaves him until the next opportunity. He's an opportunist. So a couple years go by, he starts falling away from church. We're calling him up. Where are you? Come to men's group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really busy. God works really busy. <laughs> yeah, hear that all the time. And stops coming. So I don't know how. Maybe a year later, he shows up at the church. And it happens today we're going to be announcing baptism on Sunday night at the beach. He walks in. He goes, Pastor, I'm a mess. This girl came into my house. I have a house over at Wrightsville Beach. She took her clothes off. I fell in sin. I'm smoking dope with her. She's living in my house. I said, well, you know what you gotta do. I, I gotta get back, man. I, I said, well, you know what you gotta do. Goes home, gets the girl out of the house, gets rid of his bongs, throws away his weed, and says, Pastor, would you baptize me? I'm so embarrassed, but would you baptize? He waits, we baptized like 40 that night, and at the end, he's there at the beach, he waits till everybody's almost gone. I think it's Pastor Willie and I, and we baptize him, right in front of his house. To him, the Lord to close the doors, set him free, he goes, oh my gosh, I'm back. The next week, he's body surfing in almost the exact location, and a freak thing happens, he jams his neck into the, and his neck is broken, they retrieve him, and he's brain dead. He's over in hospice, the father calls me, they're not believers. The father and mother from another part, another state calls me and says, I know you're my son's pastor. Um, would you do the memorial? We're gonna have to pull the plug. I said, could I take some men over there and pray for him first? He goes, you can do what you want. I said, okay. So I go there, we, we go in and we pray. The Lord raised him from the dead and doesn't happen. So then the father calls me and says, would you do the memorial service? I said, I'll be, I'll be glad to. He says, we're gonna do it at um, the one on Market Street there. Um, Andrews. Andrews, packed out with people, I mean, just packed out. All the subcontractors he worked with, I mean, it is jam-packed. I asked the parents, I said, would you mind if I show an excerpt? When we got back from the Brazil trip, your son gave a testimony in front of our church that absolutely blew us away. Would you mind if I show, he says, you can do whatever you want. So, live screen, there he is, giving the testimony of the power of God. And it's like, why? What is the mystery of all that? Why did you let him get restored and then a week later, that's that mystery. But was he ready? He was ready. And I know where he is. There's no question in my mind. So what's the point? Curses have very powerful aspects of life spoken over a person of authority. Another one. Here's another example on a curse. This woman's a business leader in the town. She has a successful business going. She's no longer in the church here. Some other challenges happened there. But she comes one day, um, we're laying hands on her, one of our team members, uh, during a discipleship class, and she manifests. Actually, this demon is choking her to the point, almost as blue as Chester's shirt back there. They come and run, this is the demon, has got it. What? And I go over there, I say, in the name of Jesus, you cut you free right now, and, and she says, the hands came off her, and she gets her color back, says, um, I need to go to that thing you do. 
You think? Okay. Yeah, sure. Oh, man. Doors. It was one of those really, really long ones. And so, but she gets free. And so, before she comes to prayer ministry, I pray for her. And I said, here's the scriptures in the journal, which is in the back of your handout there. These are the journal scriptures you should look at. Come and read those. So, oh, Pastor, I can't read scripture. I have, I have a learning comprehension problem. I said, excuse me? Oh, yeah, I've always had a learning comprehension problem. I said, you're a businesswoman, and you have a very successful business. You do invoices. What, what are you talking about? I can't read scripture. I just have a, I said, where, tell me where that came from. I know exactly where it came from. When I was in kindergarten, they had a blue mat and a green mat. And I always couldn't read fast, so they, that when you got done reading your assignment, you get on the blue mat, you get, a, you get a treat, and if you don't finish your assignment, you go on the green mat, and I'm always on the green mat, and I never get a treat. And then my, they meet with my mom, and all of my report card says, I have a reading comprehension problem. I have a reading comprehension problem. I said, that's a bunch of, no, it's not true, right? So let's renounce that lie that you have a reading comprehension problem and that the spirit of wisdom and revelation according to what Paul says is in you and you ought to be able to receive the scriptures because the Holy Spirit's in you. Yes. She goes, Pastor, you know what? I can read scripture now. She comes into her So again, according to your faith, be it unto you, but also Proverbs 23, 7. As a person believes in their heart, so it is. Whether it's true or false, it's true for you. Right? Bishop always hammers this. What do you believe, right? And so, now, those were things written in the, and, and you know, teachers, they're, they're doing the best they know how to motivate and all that, parents are doing the best. So curses have a big impact. Be careful, that's why if you look at your handout tonight, look at the very bottom, the one that says breaking free steps to freedom, change your mind, change your words, change your life. Amen. Right? That's why we, man, if I, you guys got to get blue in the face of it. How many times I tell you, what are your thoughts? 2 Corinthians 10, 3, take every thought captive. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty to the pulling down of demonic strongholds. Taking every thought captive. That's the nice fancy diagram that Molly Nice made for us. If you go to your handout from last week, go to page three. It's the one that she does such a good job of taking my words and turning them into pictures, right? This is spiritual warfare. And I would encourage you to practice this. Another way of looking at that is the tree diagram. What's the fruit that's hanging on your tree? Are you anxious, fearful, lustful, angry, bitter, rageful, violent? What is it? Look at your family tree. Is that coming down from your family tree? What's the manifestation of the fruit in your own life? That'll give you an indication of what's there, what's operating, what's in your root system. When you're rageful and angry and bitter or lustful, and over, there's something on your tree that gives you an indication there's a root there that needs to be cut out by the power of the Holy Ghost, right? That's prayer ministry. And so, so we see that there's... When we're doing prayer ministry, we're after several roots as we dig down. And we're very deliberate. We'll get to the model and how that works. That's why the first three hours, generally, of a prayer ministry is tell me your story. Tell me your story. We know that every life has good, bad, and ugly in it. Patricia. The other part of that is that. You may not know. I'm just thinking about the ministry we did when the, the woman came in and said, 
I've been a Christian for 20 years. I have nothing to hide, but I want to walk in leadership, so let's do the ministry, right? We walked through everything. We just kept seeing pictures of stuff that she had no idea about, right? right? So we finished the ministry. She went home. She called the next day hysterical because her grandmother was a what? What do you call those people? A medium. Like, psychic? No, no, she was a grand poobah something in... A grand poobah. Yeah. yeah. A, a bad one. She was a bad poobah. Yeah. Because remember the Lord showed me the picture of the eyeball that's on the dollar bill? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The Mason, Mason. Ah, yeah, that's there you what go. it was. Yeah. And she had no clue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So she wasn't walking in any sin. She just had no idea that that was over her. So there's the generational door that's open, right? Exodus 20 said the sins of the father can visit... Visitation, right? Exodus 34 goes even deeper into that one. So when we're doing prayer ministry, when you're telling the story, there are several roots as you're digging down. So tell us about your childhood. What was your relationship with your mom, your dad? Is there anyone that's hurt you? What's your relationship, brothers, sisters, teachers, coaches, exes, boyfriends, girlfriends, anyone that's wounded you? And we're keeping a record of what, what am I hearing? Oh yeah, um, my father was an alcoholic and abusive and broken and these kind of things happened or my dad beat us regularly to the point where I wanted to kill him when he attacked my mom. Those kind of things go on. So what are you hearing? And now when that person says that anger and that rage is in me and there's times when, I just, what is that? That's a generational root that has come down. So. As they're telling the story, we're listening in the spirit. What's the spirit that is behind the manifestation of the fruit you're now describing? Because once you get the revelation of what's, recognize everything, every relationship, every movie, every book, there is a spirit that is behind it. Amen. Everything's been created by the spirit. So this idea, well, if you watch a porn movie, is it rocket science that there's lust and seduction in there and perversion? No. And then you wonder why it jumps on you? <laughs> why your marriage is falling apart in adultery because you invited an adulterous spirit into your marriage? Right? Or you watch a horror movie and you wonder why you're, oh my God, we like my flesh to be afraid. So you want the spirit of fear to come in and torment you. Great, that's really awesome. Bring it into your house too. And so, so your kids can enjoy that too. That's just craziness. But we don't have any wisdom or revelation of that and we give in to the flesh and allow it to have rule and then we wonder why what we sow we reap. Galatians 6, 7. God will not be mocked. What a, what, what a man sows, he shows shall reap. You sow love, you get love. You sow hate, you get hate. You sow, you know, okay. So we want to we be in a place where as we're having them tell the story, the first part of it is we're listening in the spirit. What is it? And we also ask them, did anyone ever say anything? Oh, yeah, you know what my ex-wife used to say to me? You know what my dad used to say to me? I was the black sheep. I was this and that. When I failed, you know what my they, they, you know what they said about me. So those are curses or belief systems and roots that are there. So we go after what's the generational stuff? What's going on in your family? Oh yeah, my uncle homosexual. This other aunt died of you know um, brain cancer. So we're listening. What are the infirm spirits? What are the demonic spirits that are operating? We're keeping track of the generational roots that are present. 
and then you'll start to see a pattern. When you start to see unwed motherhood in a family line, like three generations, or uh, early deaths. I remember a person said, every man in my family has died before the age of 35. Every man, and I'm about to be 35. I said, that ain't happening. Still alive. And so we broke that curse. That, so again, you're, we're listening for generation. We're listening for patterns of, of behaviors. Then we're looking at what doors did you open? There's the rebellion. First Samuel 15 says that rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft. Right? So there are, you've opened doors in rebellion to the word. When he says, keep my commandments, but we don't, you just open the door to witchcraft, and then you wonder why you're being bewitched. Right? And so, all right. So prayer ministry is really this, this place when we're, when we're ministering, we have, we have to be grounded in love. We started this before. If you're not in 1 Corinthians 13, then what you're doing has no value. It'll get you no credits, no points in heaven. So we want to love because this person is tormented. And we want to see what Jesus said. 1 John 3, 8, we shared this last week. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. John 14, 12. Now, since he's gone to the Father, greater work shall you do because he's gone to the Father. Mark 16, these are the signs that follow them that believe. They cast out demons in my name. They can handle deadly things or drink poison, handle snakes without harm, and they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So when you put the biblical pieces together, keep love at the front, but don't go ahead and cast demons out of someone if they're not ready. You can bind it. So if someone, the case in where someone's coming in the tent and they're like, every week it seems to have, maybe there's an unconfessed curse or something they're not aware of. You start to probe that a little bit. Is there anyone that you need to forgive? Oh yeah, but I'm not going there. Okay, then unforgiveness will block your healing. And you can tell them that. Give them some scriptures on unforgiveness. Jesus said you must forgive. It wasn't conditional. So look for what's the blocker. So start asking him, is there any unforgiveness you have? Or is you so hurt? Yeah, I've been this and this has happened to me. Is there any unconfessed sin? Yeah, but I ain't telling you that. Okay, well then, we, until you're ready, right, then, then those are hinderings, those are blocks, because if you confess your sins one to another, you'll be healed, James 5. Is any suffering among you? Let him call for the elders, let him anoint with oil, the prayer offered in faith. Then it says, confessing your sins one to another. So we have them confess. And after you spend three hours listening to someone's story, they are like wide open, like, I've, I've told you things I don't think I've ever told another human being before. And I said, guess what? That's an entrusted truth. Of, we're, gonna, we're not gonna go blab that around. You need to be free. And people will tell you stuff, it's like, and they get so embarrassed, oh, you don't know what I did. I said, sin is sin. And so then they get to a place where, I usually ask, is there anything you haven't told us that you know you're supposed to tell us but you're embarrassed to tell us? Oh. And I told you the story about that last week, about the woman who was in bestiality and refused and then the Lord gave us a picture, which I wish he'd never given me that picture, but he did and uncovered and she got set free. So that's a long answer to why curses are, to be honest. But it really fits well, it really fits well with why we're ministering the way we're ministering. So do not jump into casting demons out of someone until they're ready, because you do have the power and authority. I told you when I was in Brazil, the Lord warned me that there was gonna be those in high level darkness, witchcraft, that were gonna come because they know spirit-filled Christians have authority to do it. 
I told you, I'm probably gonna show us the John Ramirez testimony of 40 minutes, the last session, but I can't do it live because it's not for the weak at heart, okay? And not everybody may wanna watch it, okay? But he said, look, I'm a, I was a high-level warlock, had re- regular interactions with Satan, and I killed people by putting curses on them. And he walks you through in New York, and he says, this is Santeria. You think this is a bunch of games? It isn't a bunch of games. Let me show you what, how they do this. This is how we infiltrate. And then he gets to a place, he's gonna kill this spirit-filled woman. And he does all his conjuring, all that, and he can't kill her. He has a special session with Satan and says, why can't I kill her? We have to be able to kill her. This is one of the reasons probably he got set free from this. He goes, we can't touch her. We mean we can't touch her? Because there's someone stronger than you, Satan. His name is the Holy Ghost, and he lives and dwells in here. I've given you full power and authority, Luke chapter 10, over all works of the devil. You can walk among the snakes and scorpions and crush them, and in no way can he harm you. I have tested that. I have tested that. So this warlock comes to us in Belém and says, the Lord warned me. As soon as I saw I said, "Mm, something not right here. He's in a full three-piece suit, brown with an attache case. I'm like, we're going to a business meeting? No, we're in, we're in, a, we're in, we're in a soccer stadium. It's 100% humidity. We're like, and this guy is like, he comes to, um, actually, is Nick Thornhill here? Where's Nick? I think he came to Nick or he came to Roger Riggs. Well, anyway, they came over and he says, this guy's here and he wants to be delivered. And I, so I said, well, I walk over. As soon as I walk over, remember? Hebrews 5.14, mature believers have trained their senses to discern good and evil by reason of use. Pay attention to your senses. The Holy Spirit's alive and well in you. And all of a sudden, the alarm's going, nee, 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 Like, I get over there, and the temperature drops five degrees. And I look in his eyes, and they are jet black. And he says, yeah, I'm a warlock. I've been blood sacrificed, and I want you to deliver me. And the Holy Spirit says, he's lying. Three days in a row, he shows up, we're, we're doing four hours before the eight o'clock session. There's 20,000 people that are gonna be in the stadium that Randy Clark and Bill Johnson, the team, they're doing, it's amazing. Four square churches, 74 square churches, 20,000 people. And so we set up four hours in advance for them to come in and do ministry, those that are in critical stuff. This guy's there first online every day, like at three o'clock in the afternoon at our deliverance tent, waiting to be delivered. And the third day, and the Lord's just saying, maybe the Lord changes his mind, but no. So Pat's husband comes to me. He's our control point guy that operates, and no one gets in the control point of our, of our deliverance tent unless Phil says so. Phil was a demolition guy in Vietnam. He blew up things. He's got hands like this, and there's not a human he's afraid of. And I don't think there was a demon he was afraid of either. So I put Phil in charge. He said, nobody gets in. He goes, I got it. And so, so this guy's there, and this is the story that's wild. We're doing deliverance, so we got a translator. I got 16 teams, and we got translators, and we're inside this enclosed space. There's 20,000 people out that are coming, and we're doing deliverance. This guy's there. And so, I don't know, it's like six o'clock in the evening, about, about ready to get started pretty soon in worship, and all of a sudden, this guy, the door opens, Phil's standing next to this guy, and he's writing things down. And he's looking at the teams, and he looks, he's got a, not a nice face on, let's just put it that way, right? And pretty soon I get this report, three of our translators are vomiting, they, they're sick. 
I said, say what now? And that's, that's a sign of witchcraft, by the way. And so I said, what's going on here? And I look at this guy, he's got a smirk on his face. And I turned to Phil and I said, Phil, get that guy the heck out of here. So Phil, I got it. Goes over to him, he says, whatever you exchanged with him. And pretty soon, one of our nurses comes running to me and says, Phil's having a heart attack. And I said, what? I knew by the spirit instantly, no, he is not. I get over there, and this guy is there like this. Phil said he felt a hand. Now, Phil had had a heart attack, what, 20 years earlier, something like that, completely restored. He said he felt like a hand. This guy looked at him when he told him to get off the property. He said he felt like a hand went in his chest and grabbed hold of his heart like that. And he's ashen white, and my nurse comes around and says, Phil's having a, a, a heart attack. I said, no, he's not. And I said, in the name of Jesus, I go over, I cut you free in Jesus' name. Phil said he felt the hand come out of his chest, and the guy looked, and if there was gonna be an Ananias and Sapphira moment, you touch my brother, I'm gonna kill you. That's the human side of who I was. I was like, but it wouldn't look good for a healing service to have somebody die. So I'm thinking, I bound it up. I said, in the name of Jesus, you have no authority here. Phil, I don't know why I turned to Phil. I said, Phil, get him out of here. <laughs> and Phil did it. He said he walked him to the boundary of the soccer stadium. And as soon as he got to the boundary of the soccer stadium, the guy fell in the dirt and started writhing like a snake. And that was the last time we saw him. What's the point? It's like the devil has power, but we need wisdom and discernment as to how we operate. And we have authority over He was limited. Does the devil have power? Yes. Did he want to kill Phil? Yes. But we had done, we had covered ourselves. We took communion every day. There was, there was no sin in our camp, I'm quite sure. Right? And so there was that place, but he still, intimidation. He wanted to hurt us and couldn't. This is, and there will be things, when you're doing ministry, you will get intimidation. That devil will say, I'm gonna kill you. When I come out, I'm gonna do this to you. Or they'll still bring severe pain to the individual. This often happens. All of a sudden, you start getting close and you're stripping away, and all of a sudden, a pain will manifest like, oh, oh, oh. In the name of Jesus, I cut that spirit of infirmity off you right now, in Jesus' name. And it'll go boom. So this is, again, this is not for the weak at heart, I get it. And it's like, man, I don't know if I ever wanna do this. Y- you will. Once you see someone get free who's been tormented, and many of you have seen that, there's like, wow, God, he's real. <laughs> God is real. But it's not a game, and that's why we as believers, we need to continually remind ourselves, take up your cross. The devil is he's such a snake. <laughs> He sets these things up through deception. He winds us in, so you know, a little bit of leaven, and then pretty soon, so as believers, you don't wanna be doing this ministry with any open doors. You read the one in, I think it's in my book, where the guy, the devil jumps on these two that didn't, had open doors in their lives and they're on our ministry team. That was before we really understood how to do some things. So, okay, let me, uh, Let's turn to page 12, 12.1. I think this is pretty obvious. What are some of the effects of demonic oppression? And then we just list a whole bunch of stuff there, right? Fear, worthlessness, guilt, shame, pain. Now, not, obviously, not everything is a demon, so let's, let's clarify that, right? You can have, on the natural side, 
your heart, right? If you look at uh, Molly's picture there, one of the four places of the origin of thought is your broken heart. If you've been told you're worthless and you're, there, there may or may not be a demonic pressure there, but you may just deal with rejection and worthlessness, insecurity, fear of failure, fear of man. Those can be in your heart. And so that you can just operate with some of that without it being a demonic presence. But when it's really blown up, like when a person comes in with 40 pages of rejection, the names and the places from 30 years of the people that rejected her, I think there's a strong man of rejection over her life. She believes she's gonna be rejected. And guess what? She's rejected. And oftentimes she'll sabotage relationships before the rejection happens. And so, so there can be a combination, but if you operate in that long enough, there can be an oppressive spirit that comes on. You continue to operate that, right? That's why in a spirit of addiction, you smoke weed long enough and you open a door and a spirit of addiction comes in and it goes somewhere else, don't tell me it's not a gateway drug. I've delivered how many people? Come on. You don't need that garbage. Hello. So irrational behavior, adultery, pornography, those are examples of that. All right. Page 12.2. One of the concerns that happens in people is when there seems to be a, an area of their life where they just continue to fail in. In fact, uh, Derek Prince in his uh, We Shall Deliver Demons, um, he talks about evidences of a curse, and one of them is patterns of a continual pattern of life um, where this seems to be the area that seems to always get me. There may, be an, there may be an oppressive spirit there that's operating. We know that demons can cause sickness. D there. Remember the woman who was... Uh, bent over with a demon for how many years? I think it was like 40 years or something, and it was a spirit of infirmity. So we know that infirm spirits can come as well, but not everything is an infirm spirit. There is sickness in the world, and so, but again, it can be there. One of the symptoms of a spirit of infirmity is if it starts to move. It's amazing, you can lay, I got problems in my shoulder, lay hands on it, and the thing is now moved to the stomach. Oh, what's that? Probably a spirit of infirmity trying to hide out from where the Holy Spirit touch just had come, right? And so uh, when that happens, it's like, oh, thank you. And then we get, ask the Holy Spirit to get rid of the spirit of infirmity. But we're also asking what's the authorization? Do you have any unforgiveness, any bitterness, resentment, anger, hatred? I told you the story of the woman who came in with arthritic condition whose son had been murdered and she refused to forgive the murderer. And when she did, I, I did my best, and when she finally did, the arthritic bitterness left her. And so, they can be manifestations, but again, not everything is demonic. Spirit of heaviness, depression, despair. There are depressive spirits, and there are those, I'll just clarify here, I, I obviously work with people that have uh, concerns with oppressive spirits, maybe their chemistry, the serotonin levels in their brain don't operate the same as some others. We can pray for that to be corrected, but if not, what if they take an iso- one of the, the, the corrective drugs for that? Pastor, are you okay with me taking one of those drugs? Well, people take blood pressure medicine, they take thyroid medicine, they take uh, cholesterol medicine. All good gifts come down from the Father of lights. Now recognize what are the side effects, what are that, but if you're looking for permission, we're not Christian scientists. No, no we, we believe God will give us wisdom for that. We also believe God can heal. 
So this person went with me for many, many years. She would go into this depression, suicidal state. They'd put her on uh, an uptake drug. I think it was Prozac. She'd get better. She'd feel really guilty about it. Pastor, I want to come off it. She'd come off it four months later, suicidal, driving her family absolutely up a wall. Pastor, I got to go back. I said, okay. She'd been on that drug now 30 years. And guess what? Her life is stable and fine. So hear me in this. There's, we believe that the Lord can heal anything, but if the Lord tells you to take this or not take this, we're not going to give you medical advice. The Holy Spirit will. So pray into it. Lord, what do you want me to do about this? I don't know what to do about this. I believe we should be free. Question or statement. I was going to add to what Pastor just said. Um, in light of medicine and taking medicine, I struggled with this in the early part of my life because of the people that I was exposed to, like Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, people like that, and not f- realizing at the time that they grew to that place. So what Pastor was saying just now about taking medicine, it's okay. But grow out of that. Don't stay there. Yeah. Don't put yourself under bondage or pressure that I I don't want to take medicine, I want to use my faith. Yes, use your faith, grow your faith. But in the meantime, don't don't oppress your family or oppress yourself because you don't want to take medicine. Yes, use the medicine. Even the medicine was a gift from God. Yeah, let me tell you. If it was up to the devil, there won't be any medicine. You get a headache and die. That's the devil. But every medicine that's available was a gift from God. So don't be condemned by that, but grow beyond that. We had a, a sad situation here. Some of you know Russ Hamilton. He's been with the Lord now for many years, but Russ had worked for combustion engineering, was in an explosion, and he was actually paralyzed on one side of his, of his body. And hands were laid on him, and he was instantly healed. And he's like, he, he was a great man of faith. And he, was, he operated our sound system. He played the trombone. He was just a great, great man of faith. Time went on and he came down with sugar diabetes. Dr. Smith, Nancy Smith's husband who was here, he would counsel with Russ, Russ, you need to get on some medication to get your sugar in control. I'm believing God, I'm believing God, I'm believing God. It's okay to believe God. You need to get on some medication and get your sugar in control. I'm believing God. He never went on it. His kidney failed and he ended up on dialysis. He went blind and he died. And he had counsel from me and others, but he refused. It was that, I'm operating in faith. I'm believing God for it. Man, we, we're a faith camp. We believe. But there's also wisdom in that. And if you get wise counsel, it's telling something like, and his life was cut short. And I believe it was because of part of that. I know he's in heaven, but there you go. So, okay. So let's, uh, so that oppressiveness, I'm trying to balance here. What we're, what we're struggling with is sometimes between our faith walk and what is the Lord telling us, and is that the devil or is it something in the natural? So uh, look at page. Oh, Rebecca. Yeah, make a point. I just wanted to say something about the, um, the pill thing um, because I have had high cholesterol like all my life. When I was 23, it was like 310, and it keeps coming up like that. So I do take cholesterol medicine, 
but it has like no side effects. But I actually came here to prayer ministry, and you probably don't remember, you can find my paperwork, in like 2008, 2007 or 8, when my son was coming here. And I never opened up to the fact that I was abusing my opiates, my pain medicine. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, if I get cancer and I'm on my deathbed, I hope they get, I mean, I guess it's okay then, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I'm going to tell you what, it came back seven times worse because I came, I became a full-blown needle-using heroin and fentanyl addict within six years because I didn't confess it. And So you it held back up Sharon at your prayer ministry, yeah. Yeah. the fact that you were using opiates, yep. and that then went worse. Yes, that's yeah. a seven times worse. Praise God, but look yeah. at you now. But, uh, but Yeah, testimony. but I just wanted to say, too, about yeah the cholesterol medicine and what you're saying, yes, I do. Yeah. But just be careful with the opiates. Yeah. Okay. Be careful with all of it. Just ask the Lord, what am I supposed to do about this, right? Okay. <clears throat> okay, page 12.3. The church has also largely ignored demonic oppression among its members, partly due to theology of some of the true believers cannot be oppressed by demonic spirits, and therefore all evil spirits leave a believer at the time of their conversion, and partly due to the noisy, unpleasant, and often humiliating methods of deliverance common in until recent years. So how many of you grew up in a church that never talked about deliverance? Look around, probably like 80% plus, right? Um, Unless you've been in South America or Africa, that's probably like, we, not here. And so, so the restoration of that, and we've already covered this, whether oppression, demonization, and uh, et cetera. Okay. The method of doing prayer ministry. We, d- we covered this when we were doing the protocols for um, ministry team. We want always to be in a loving environment, and we never want to have someone in, be embarrassed. So... Now in the tent, maybe it's a different story. You got people crying and snotting all over the place, laying out, and you know, it's like it's just it's just what's going on, and it's okay, you know. Um, but if you're in a prayer, if you're in service and someone all of a sudden manifests, and we don't want to draw attention to that, we don't want to have live stream cameras over here, you know, like no, right now one half the time the person doesn't really recognize what's going on. They may, the human personality may not even be there. Or they're so embarrassed, but they can't control it. And there's different, there's different you know, some are, uh, they might scream, they might feel sick, they might start banging their head. So what do we do with that? Our protocol is we get some of our trained folks and we bring them. If they're incapacitated, we'll carry them. I remember the man who was, we're in worship here, he'd visited the church, falls out right here, and he's banging his head on the ground and pulling his hair out. During worship, I said, okay. I didn't take a rocket science, realized that's not Holy Ghost, right? So I grabbed, I, I think it was Addie and several guys said, let's just bring him to the prayer room. We got him to the prayer room and we asked the home, human, human personality to come back. Lord, and his eyeballs would roll back in his head and, he, and I said, uh, I, don't, I didn't know his name. We talked to him and finally he comes back and he goes, it's like, how did I get here? Well, you were up front worshiping. Yeah, I remember that part. Um, do you know what happened? He goes, no. I said, well, you, there was a manifestation, and uh, how did you feel? He goes, I felt awful. I said, uh, would you like to be free of that? Man, 
I'm actually, I'm supposed to go to Bible college soon. In a couple, I think he said three weeks. Soon. I said, well, it might be good before you go, um, have a session. Because <laughs> again, free will, you know. Um, by the way, have you opened any doors? Yes, I've opened doors to the dark side. I've been involved in satanic stuff. Um, and the reason I'm going to Bible college is I realize this is real and I, you know, I wanna, I wanna help people. So we end up doing a session, he got, he got freed up and I've lost touch with him. But, so what's the point? You never wanna embarrass anybody and you, know, you see some of the stuff in ministries that are just wild on YouTube, right? Somebody manifests and they, they take the Bible and they put it on their head and they start doing, I'm like, please, this is, um, let's protect the, uh, the person, the individual from any embarrassment. That's, Let's do it with love and let's, you know, let's bring them aside. First, you never want to do deliverance on someone that is not engaged with their will because you will set them up. They have got, and you, you want to put the fear of the Lord in them. I, I go to Matthew 12. I said, this is not a game. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. If you think you can sleep around and do drugs and get drunk on Friday night and come to church and ask the Holy Spirit in your life, you are headed for a crash, man. And I'm not gonna do deliverance on you until you're ready to drop all that stuff. And so, so that's part of, the, part of the encouragement for us as you're ministering, don't cast out demons if someone's not a believer and they're not ready. And then give them the scriptures. We don't have to get, it's not about the numbers. It's about the individual, right? And so, you guys are awesome. It's real quiet in here, everybody okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> Anybody afraid? Good. Let's stand. I want to pray a blessing over us that, please, we're going to get through these modules, really, seriously. So keep reading module uh, 12 and then go back and do the curse one because we'll, you're asking the right questions and we're unpacking the book as we're walking. So, Lord, I pray right now, even those listening by live stream, Lord, we ask that you would bring your peace. The Prince of Peace is a person. His name is Jesus, and he's the one who came to set the captives free. John 8 says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So Lord, we just celebrate that our freedom is in Christ, and if, if the Holy Spirit's put a finger on something in your life that you're not, you're convicted of right now, you're not condemned, Romans 8, 1, if you're in Christ Jesus, you are not condemned. So if you're messing in a place where you know it's not good, what you do with that is repent, confess your sin, John 1, 9, 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you from all of it. And so Lord, I thank you. Now I ask for the Holy Spirit's power. Just like Mike who came up on Sunday and said two weeks ago, I got filled with the Holy Ghost in Pentecost and now I'm speaking in tongues like wild, but I want you to know I laid down my cigarette since I was 14 and I haven't had a desire. So Lord, that's the kind of power. That's the kind of power that the enemy cannot operate in these vessels that are full of the Holy Ghost. So Lord, we thank you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill in all the gaps and we thank you for peace. Let there be really awesome rest in Jesus' name. I just wanna take a minute. I wanna lift up Becky and John's grandchild. 
Yesterday, we got a report, needed prayer in utero. The Lord has done a miracle. We asked for more, more covering and protection for that child in utero. God, we lift up Roe v. Wade. I'm hearing that maybe tomorrow this decision could come down. God, I pray an end to violence, all this intimidating violence and murder. That's a murdering spirit. We bind it over all of the justices and all of those who carry faith that no weapon formed against us will prosper. But any tongue that's risen against us in judgment, we condemn the tongue and we forgive the individual. Isaiah 54, 17. So Lord, I pray a covering over every family that's here, that a Psalm 91 promise that we live in a sheltered place of the Most High. And we thank you, Lord. God bless you all. Have a good night.